The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. And welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP Ajampaz. With me today, very special guest, a model, a cosplayer, a former professional wrestler. She has been a podcaster. She's a former JAPW World Tag Team Champion, a former 3PW Tag Team Champion, former WXW Women's World Champion, Miss April Hunter. Welcome to the two-man power trip. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Very, very busy. But uh, what's been going on in your world? <sighs> Well, travel's starting to pick up, so I'm starting to get ready to get out there and do a few appearances and then, you know, doing the podcast, the A show. So that's going, um, you know, just just trying to keep a toe in every ocean with websites and writing and candle making and on Etsy and all kinds of stuff. So it's keeping me a little too busy. I feel overwhelmed sometimes, but yeah. You got, so. you got too much going on now. Yeah, he, probably, <laughs> but it's good. I'm glad. I'm grateful for it. It's good. So, what's going on yeah. with the A show? How's everything going with Aaron Stevens? Um, good, good. We we started that show because we all, you know, everybody kind of lost their appearances for the year, um, and we were trying to figure out uh, what our options were to kind of stay out there a bit. And he and I used to. I mean, we went to school together. Went to Killer Kowalski's together, and have known each other for like twenty something years. And he and I will get on the phone. We're, we've always been like, or we've been like best friends. We'll talk about these deep esoteric conversations about everything or current events or spirituality or wrestling and like everything, you know, everything. We'll pick it apart. And finally, I'm just like, why are we not doing this on a show? Because right. we could get two birds stoned at once, you know, we could be, have a presence on the internet and do this every week. And we could, you know, talk about all the things going on in the world and maybe solve a few problems. And maybe there are other people out there just like us that are just, just weird and overthink things. You know, watch butterflies and go, oh, I wonder how long it took them to get out of that cocoon. And where is the cocoon? You know? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> He's an outside-the-box thinker, just like you. Uh, yes, yeah. Yep. So I take it you've interviewed him before or been aware of his 
Yes, three times okay. actually I've interviewed him. Yes, great guy. Oh, well great, great yeah, guy. you know, he's, 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 there's definitely different than he appears to be. Yeah. Yes, great guy though, for sure. Great interview yeah. too. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's always got something good, little tidbit to throw out there. Something good. That to he say. does. Yeah, that he does. Mm hmm. So how's it going for the show? Like, how is, uh, I know obviously you guys are on Patreon. You guys are part of the HMG group, as, as am I. So how's it going with that? Um, we are grateful to, you know, have gotten on HMG. It's, it's um, I think, well, first off, it's it's sanity for us. So we're, we're happy that people come every week and, and are subscribing. Um, we just hit, what do you call it? Um, when you hit enough people on Twitch that you can oh, get affiliate. Yep. affiliate. We just hit that today, tonight. So I got a text right before joining you. Um, so I was like, yeah, cause I mean, we're not making money off of this really. So it's like, we're doing it because we love it. Um, but it's also, it's really difficult to grow. I think a podcast right now because everybody has one. So, you know, it's kind of, not only does everybody have one, then more people kind of joined in and started doing that with COVID too, you know, like everybody yeah. turned to the internet. So, um, you know, it's the fact that it has grown when in, in such a kind of oversaturated situation, I feel extremely grateful and happy for what we've gotten so far. So, yeah. <laughs> now you guys don't live near each other, right? He lives on, on one side of the U S and you live on the other, right? Yeah. I'm in Florida. He's in California. Wow. So how does it like to make it difficult at all? Like recording? Cause obviously different time zones and everything else. No. Cause he's, he's a, he's a morning person. I'm a night person. So it ends up working out. So I always joke around and say I'm on Hawaii time anyway. So, which most people will come back and just be like, you're just on April time. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, it's, it's cool because we live in different areas and we see things differently. You know, he lives in a very, in California's a very liberal state and they dealt with things differently with all of this than Florida did. Florida was a very um, conservative state or Republican state. And we, I'm I'm very surprised that people aren't looking to Florida more as kind of an experiment because we were like one of the only places in the entire world that stayed open. Yep. And I, I think that that is kind of a spiteful thing. Like nobody wants to admit that you know, the place that has a, their own hashtag Florida man actually did something. Okay. We actually did something right. So they're not wanting to go. I, I see that. I don't see the numbers. I don't see anything. In the, da, da, da. <laughs> they don't want to use us for anything. Right. For it's so funny but, how it got ignored because of my buddy. It's completely and his, ignored. My buddy and his wife yeah. live down there. They're like, everything is fine. DeSantis is, is ignoring Fauci. He's doing his own science. He's, doing He's got his own, his own scientist. Yep. And he, he came up here and he goes, Oh crap. I, I forgot my mask. Like him and his wife, like, oh, we got to go back in the house and get the mask because yeah. they were staying here for for vacation. And I was like, you guys never wore mask. He goes, literally, never wore mask. <laughs> never did anything. He goes, this is completely foreign to me. I was like, oh well, carry your mask. It's it's weird, yeah. Because I mean, uh, Aaron actually was out here for like two weeks for a vacation. He just went back and he came here. He's like, oh my god. He's like, it's like COVID never happened down here. I'm like, I know. He's like, I I can't get over this. He's like, the LA is, or you know. California is still really, really, you know, we're, we're opening up and it's not like this. I'm like, well, we just, yeah. we had like a month. We had like the month of April and that was it. After that, um, he, DeSantis promised he would never shut down again. And being a tourist state, 
um, that was helpful because a lot of businesses were able to survive. Now we, we ran it, you know, half full or right. 30% or, you know, they, they did, we did actually where I live. Now Tampa Bay is a little different than each, each county governed their own. And there are some counties that did no masks at all where I live. Everything was masked. Everything was the six foot rule. We abided by all the COVID things, but they all stayed, everything stayed open. You could, you know, use the boat launches, go out kayaking. The parks were open. Sidewalks were open. All that stuff was not open. You couldn't even get on the beach in California. So, um, yeah. <laughs> weird, weird. And California is doing a lot worse than Florida with the numbers and everything else. So very strange. It feels like Florida did the right thing. It was doing the right thing the whole time. Yeah. You know, I fought against it i thought it was real stupid actually i thought i was like this is this is like this is bad this is really bad i can't believe this is happening and then you know every week every month was more of a learning curve for all of us and then i was just like oh we're all gonna die you know i was like this is gonna be so yeah. bad and then as time went on i was like uh huh okay this is not so bad and then as time went on a little bit more i'm like I am so grateful that I live in Florida right now. Oh my God. So, um, yeah, I, the only time we had really bad numbers is when everybody was fleeing their states, like the really, really infected ones, like New York and California. Yes. They were fleeing their states and coming here because everybody has a relative in Florida and they all knew we were open and it was like still cold up there. So we were doing pretty well. And then we got hit really hard with everybody coming down here. Um, and they transplants. Yep. They weren't shutting the borders. It was still spring. You know, they were still allowing spring breakers to come in. So that was happening. That's when we got hit hard and it lasted about two ish months to a little bit longer than that. That was during the WrestleMania and all that, that time. Um, and then after that, it kind of leveled out and then, yeah. Yeah, then they were running yep. shows and everything else. I know Disney was probably, I think, thirty-five percent capacity, and and then they moved up with with as far as what they were doing. But man, Florida and Texas kind of were like the normalcy, and everyone was saying mm -hmm. that they're crazy, but they actually turned out to be the normal ones. Yeah, I yeah, crazy is subjective. I mean, normal right. subjective. I mean, right. if you grow up in the circus, you think the circus is normal. That's you know true having an elephant as a plaything is normal for you. So we use the word normal very uh, liberally when we might want to rethink that word sometimes. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. Even me, I gotta, gotta realize that. With- um, I do too. <laughs> with uh, Fauci and those emails though, I mean, that's kind of uh, not good and uh, reading some of those. Yeah, I don't know if you follow some of the stuff that I write, but I have been um, talking about this stuff long before it actually happened. Because I, I do a lot of pattern predictions way, way out. And like, <laughs> I, was, I was probably the only person not surprised. So. Right. I thought it was kind of alarming that DeSantis it was like, yeah, let's not listen to this crazy old guy. And it's like, oh, why is he saying that? And he turned out to be right not to listen to that crazy old guy. Yeah. For, for me, I don't, I don't subscribe to any political party at all. Um, and I was pretty stunned by how politicized all of it got. It was like, this is not, this should not be politicized. This is, this is literally a case of life and death for a lot of people. And politics should not have anything to do with it. 
and, and you know a virus does not give a shit if you, what party you are you know this is i i was you know it started out <laughs> it started out a pandemic and it became an iq test and it was yeah. pretty pretty um pretty depressing for me to see that um i was huh, i had not so much faith in humanity before but i don't know how I feel about it now after seeing how that all went. Yeah. So I, I hate, think, I hate politics too. It's just like, my God, why politicize that? I mean, that's scary. Yeah. Well, I think the reason is to keep people divided. The more divided we are, the more easily manipulated and conquered that we will be. I mean, we are in America here. We are a large and very armed country. If we ever decided to rise up and have a coup, it would take three or four minutes. And that's even, that's if we stop for a bathroom break and some donuts, you know? <laughs> right. So there's a real serious vested interest in that not ever happening. And the best way to do that is by using media. I mean, all of our media is controlled by just six corporations and those corporations are in bed with the politics and they can tell us and sell us and fear us and steer us any way they want. Right. Yeah. So keeping us at each other's throats. I mean, that's historically worked bajillion times, you know, like those who do not know their history are doomed to repeat it. So Rome, that's how they tore apart Rome. It was the most advanced culture ever, largest army, everything, and it imploded. So, you know, as I think we're like in a cold war too, you know, with Russia and China, and they're contributing to our media as well. That's just my insane rambling so. so i agree i agree the media <laughs> media both sides are the devil uh left and right is just you can't can't watch either one it's just i don't know just, i i hate politics but man it's like the media sometimes they are out to brainwash you there's no doubt about that yeah i don't even know if there is a left and a right i think it's a lot like pro wrestling where everybody works together to make it appear to be a left and a right you know baby faces and heels yeah, if you go, if you go, and if you watch where the lobbyists go, they go to all the both all the conventions. They go to both sides, so they're all working together. It's That's just true. us. We're getting played. We're getting manipulated. We play into that, you know, by not talking to your family, by fighting with your friends, unfriending your, you know, best friend and stuff. Like we're allowing ourselves to be manipulated instead of uniting and seeing it for what it is. It's unfortunate that we're this dumb. Yep. <laughs> so. <laughs> now speaking of pro wrestling what was the, mm -hmm. your first kind of foray into wrestling was it with wcw when you were with it was. you know like the end yeah. of yo girls right yeah um yeah we got i got hired actually I got hired out of uh playboy and went in and had my interview and they hired a handful of us to come on and basically for eye candy but they really didn't really they didn't know what to do with us so then the steiner birthday party thing happened and we popped out of a a limo and after that we're um graciously named the nwo hose <laughs> you pamela paul shack i think medasia and shakira right it was uh -huh. you four and uh and tylene buck and tylene yeah. buck okay mm -hmm. who is the interview with is it with nash bischoff like who who did you guys do the interview with oh originally yeah. uh oh, that's terry taylor i believe 
and obviously you ended up being on TV with the NWO. What do you kind of think of, I know you said NWO hoes and stuff, but what did you think of that role? Do you think it was like a nice way into the business or you were like, okay, this is just a paid gig? I thought, okay, it's just a paid gig. I was coming from the fitness industry. I was working, I was under contract with metrics and working for Iron Man. And I didn't know anything about wrestling. I didn't care anything about wrestling actually. Um, you know, I didn't grow up really watching it. I was more of a, MMA fan because I grew up doing martial arts and um, I always thought wrestling was just loud, colorful and fake. Um, it wasn't until I actually got to WCW and I was, you know, we had to check in at one o'clock. The shows were much, much later and I would sit around the ring because, I mean, you're just you're trapped there basically and there's only so much you can do backstage that I would watch the cruiserweights um, go over their matches and work on some things and train and I was just like, huh. That's that's pretty freaking athletic. I'm like, that's pretty awesome. You know, they're doing all the tumbling. And I'm, I'm like, that's like gymnastics. That's that's awesome. And that's when I started to see it differently as kind of a legitimate athletic experience, I guess. Yeah. So how long are you with WCW for? Not long. I was only there a couple of months. Um, they weren't using me. Uh, and I didn't have the patience to stick around. So Were you under contract mm -mm, per show. So how it works in the modeling world and excuse me, hang on, Simba, stop it. Stop. I have a cat that loves to push things off the, the table, including lighting and microphones. Nice. nice. <laughs> my cat always does hat. that. Like my post-it notes or whatever, you know, you get the, yep. the pack of post notes, like, mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's on the floor. You're like, what the hell? Sometimes I got everything up here and he's just going, he's going, psh, psh. <laughs> As I say, they say, how do you know the world isn't flat? It's because a cat would have pushed everything off of it by then. Yeah, you know? true. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, um, okay. So, hang on a second. Where were we? WW said per day, not a contract. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, how it works in the modeling world is you, theory, you know, in theory, uh, you have X amount of time to make as much money as you possibly can. And at that point, I was pretty popular on the fitness circuit. So I was doing a lot with um, Muscle Fitness and Iron Man and Muscle Mag. <clears throat> and I was getting a lot of offers to do like their swimsuit issues and things like that. And I had to turn them down because they were shooting in, L uh, in Los Angeles at the same time that we were traveling with WCW. And I wasn't being used on TV for anything. So I'm traveling going from because I lived in Nevada at the time and going from Nevada to like Buffalo or Nevada, out to, you know, Ohio every week and not being used. And all I can see at that particular time is that they're filming and shooting the swimsuit edition of whatever magazine that's a collector's issue. And I'm not in it because I can't. And yet I'm not on TV either. And I felt like push comes to shove, I would rather be back over here doing this while I can, because these people are idiots. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> I'm right. not, I'm not doing anything here. So I went to, um, well, before previous to that, they came to me, Terry came to me and said, would you have any interest in becoming a wrestler? And I was like, eh. like in my head, I'm thinking, um, after watching it a while, I'm like, uh, not really. That shit looks like it hurts. But um, I don't know, something I probably growing up military, I kind of learned somehow to be political. I was like, maybe, <laughs> like, possibly. 
so he's like, yeah, I'd like to send you to power plant, um, to, to learn, you know, and I'm like, sure. Um, so, so what happened was shortly after that, when that did not come to fruition, I said to Terry, I'm like, dude, like I'm not getting used here. And I'm all I'm seeing are the opportunities that I'm being offered slip by, you know, as part of my life is slipping by as well. Um, you know, strike when the iron's hot kind of thing. So he's like, okay. He goes, here's what we're going to do. So he called Jim Ross and he said, we have a girl here. She is not under contract. You guys need to look at her. So Jim's like, okay, we have WrestleMania out in LA this year. We'll see her the day after. So I left WCW, did a few things, met with WWF at the time at the Staples Center. Uh, met with their writers. They said, go to Killer Kowalski's in Boston. They set it up. Nice. That was the, so it was Playboy, WCW, Staples Center, Boston. So <laughs> that was the path. Did you have any idea? That's where, that's where I met Aaron too. <laughs> right. And I guess started training with him. Did you have any idea who Killer Kowalski was or what that school nope, was? Not a clue. Nope. Just uh, blind, blind faith, clip. almost trusting. Like, I looked okay, him you up. Must know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I looked him up. I was like, "Well, he's kind of a big deal," you know. So, um, I was kind of terrified. I was the only female there. Um, There's a whole bunch of guys. Um, I went in with a lot of pomp and circumstance. There's like all these documentaries and news channels and New England Sports Network and um, MSNBC and this wrestling magazine, that wrestling magazine, they're all hovering around to take pictures and film it and do interviews and things like that. And like, this girl's going to make it. And I was just like, Oh my God, what if I don't make it? You know what I mean? It was a, a lot of pressure. So I did started, you, Oh God. I was going to say, did you like, like initially like, okay, I kind of, you know, I no, kind of like this. Oh, you hate it. Okay. Hated it. I've, dude, I, it was the most, painful experience I have ever had. Um, wrestling training, there's a reason why there, there's a reason why people don't do it and why there's a high dropout rate. It feels like you've been through a really bad car accident, like all that whiplash, and then a really horrible, horrible, brutal CrossFit workout without warming up at the same time. So you've got all the muscle soreness and all the whiplash soreness going on at the same time and nobody gives a shit you need to get back in the ring because if you can walk you can wrestle so that's that's how it is tape up and go run the drills so coming from i mean i was it was a lot easier to be athletic when all you had to do was look athletic because it was it was brutal i was there for let's see i think i started september we had a Christmas break, Christmas break. I left for the break and never went back. Um, I was just like, this is not for me. I can't do it. It's just really hard. I, I got turf toe. Um, oh. are, you, are you familiar with that? I had mm -hmm. also oh, pulled yeah. my groin. So I, I, I pulled my groin and got turf toe. I managed to get all the NFL injuries. I broke finger. I was like, <laughs> all these things that I used to laugh at, I'd be like, oh, you got turf toe, suck it up. Oh, you pulled your groin, suck it up. I'll, you lay on your back in the bed. You can't get up if you have a pulled groin and your turf, that turf toe is miserable. I was just like, this is 
God's way of getting back at me for laughing at it by giving it to me. So I feel empathy. So I didn't go back. And um, about five or six of the guys came to my apartment in Boston, you know, bang on the door. They're like, where have you been at? And I'm like, here, like, why aren't you in class? I'm like, "Mm, no, Hmm. (laughs) because that that shit's hard. (laughs) And they're like, you're going to be the only one out of all of us that makes it. You need to get back. (laughs) Hmm. I was like, let me think about it for like another week. And I went back. So nice. Were you still injured when you went back? Yes, I was. Hmm. They take it any easier on you because you're injured or no? Mm -mm. No, I ended up going back in and getting tutored um, because I needed to, I was having a hard time with it. I was a professional dancer and a gymnast before, and it was just not natural for me to allow myself to fall. So there was a hockey player there, LB from the Bruins. So he was having a hard time with it too. So it was me and Lyndon Byers um, doing tutoring um, before and after classes. So, Man, uh, I know I've done some training before and taken bumps. It's a weird thing when you first start falling and your lungs. It doesn't make sense. You fall on your your back, but like your Your lungs lungs shake. Yeah, you're like, whoa, what the hell? And mm-hmm. it was funny, too, because when we were bumping, it wasn't like a natural, you're going to fall over. He has somebody slide behind you, like almost like a prank. Somebody mm-hmm. slide behind you, and he pushes you. So all of a sudden, you go back, and you fall on your lungs. You're like, oh, man. Oh, man. Like, it's a little bit yeah. of a, a shock to the system at first. It is. It really is. I like that he did that because maybe not naturally, maybe you don't want to fall back, but since the person kind of it's right behind your knees and you fell over them, you had no choice but to take a bump. So he's like, you want to do that? Yeah. Smart. Yeah. How we started was we grabbed, we we would hold onto the ropes and squat down and just let go of the ropes and do it. That's, that's a, not an ideal way to start falling back. So (laughs) yeah. It, it's just like a funny thing. It's you're like, wait, why the hell my lungs are like shaking? What? What? And then he's like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, you get used to shakes. it. Then it's like, why do I have burns on my arms from the road? Like, yeah, you start getting all all sorts of weird injuries you never would think. Really weird injuries. I had um, from you know the ropes aren't actually ropes; they're steel cable wrapped in tape. Yep. Um, so I had on one side only the side that hits the rope, um built up scar tissue on my thigh that once I got out, I had to have removed because one side had like this like saddle bag on it. And the other one didn't from going, you know, hit in, out, mm-hmm. in, out. And uh, Aaron has it right here from hitting. So yeah. we all have it. We all have it somewhere. So you built weird. up this like weird you, callus. Yeah. I was going to say everyone gets like a callus from it just because mm-hmm. it's not a natural thing. You keep running into Mm-mm. this cable or whatever it is. Still cables. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So yep. what'd you think about Keller Kowalski? Was he in the ring training with you or is he one of those guys that's kind of just, he's watching? He's, he's usually watching. He'll get up, he'll get up he would or he'll he would get up and come to the ring and say, you know, try this, try this, try this. I really liked him. Um I found him to be eccentric, eclectic, um really, really a great guy really ahead of his time like he was into magnets and being a vegan and a raw vegan and um using cayenne pepper and honey and doing all these things way before anybody else was doing it 
you know, hot and cold showers, all the alternating and like all the stuff that we all do now that we don't think about. He was doing it 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, he was very spiritual, very, very spiritual. Uh, he was he was into metaphysics, like that new age stuff way before everybody else. Like, you know, um, I, I was really he was really good to me. Um, it, was, it was good to most of us, I think all of us, actually. But he, he always used to take me aside and, you know, before class, if I, he had extra time and he would say, you know, if, if anybody tries to get fresh with you, try this. Or if anybody grabs you in, a, in an alley, you know, turn around and do this or drop down and do this or make sure you grab them this way. Or this is where their pressure points are and you can take them down this way. Or if you go to Japan and they try and shoot on you, you know, do this. So he always made sure I was taken care of or knew things. So. He was good to me. Seems like obviously he's a bit older at this point too, so he's not going to be like rolling around with everybody in no. the ring. No, he was like, his like eight, in, yeah, he was eight, 79, 80. Yeah. Who is like in the ring training with you guys? Like, is is it anybody we would know of as far as like names that's actually in the ring being a training with you guys? You mean who I was running drills with and stuff? Yeah. Yep. It's like, oh, I was doing- usually there. There's like an older person, not older, but like a, a veteran usually in there training with you. Oh, uh, we have people come through all the time. Uh, like Albert probably came oh. through the most. Um, okay. God, who else came by? Um, we had a couple, you know, we had a lot of like, uh, like Tim McNini. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a very, mm-hmm. very good wrestler. Um, just, you know, I don't think he got where he should have gotten, but he deserved to. Um, what else was coming through there? Um, he put me on the spot, and my short term me- my memory is like that ah! <laughs> clears out like that. <laughs> like I was in a class with a group of people. Like we had a pretty good class. Like my group at that time was um, John Walters. Oh yeah. Um, Aaron Stevens, Nick, and um, Nick. I went the first year by myself, but then Nikki Rocks was there. Um, diehard Eddie Edwards. Uh, Sumie Sakai, she came at the shortly after um, Nikki did. So I, yeah, I had about the first year, first year and a half as the only girl there, and then we got two more. That was Nikki and Sumi. Um, who else would you have known that from there? Uh, there was a Jimmy Cash. He was, did some some things, but yeah. Um, but who came back? Um, guessing not Triple know. H in China. I'm guessing. No, no. Well, Triple H was busy, and yep. for some reason, China always. Um, we actually just talked about this on the podcast. I um, I felt that she her her documentary is not accurate, and I felt that she's not the victim that she's portrayed to be. So I'm one of the oh. few people. I'm one of the few people in the world, I think, that has had the fortune to both know Killer Kowalski and train there and also work with China. So like I did, um, I did a film with her and I worked a couple conventions with her. So I'm familiar with both. And I think that, I think that she's not the victim that she was portrayed to be. I think that she was an unbelievable entertainer and she broke down a lot of barriers and she did it not using TNA. She did it um, 
she did it in a unique way and she definitely left a mark. I mean, ninth wonder of the world, that is definitely, that's absolutely her. Um, but I think she, I think she's a moneymaker. And I think even in death, she's a moneymaker. And I think the documentary is a moneymaker. And if that means portraying her as a victim that nobody reached out to to help, um, that's what they're gonna do. But I don't think that's the case. I think people just didn't like her because she was not likable. And that's gonna make me unpopular to say that, but sometimes there are people that care about their careers and getting ahead so much that they don't care about making relationships or they use people to get ahead. And you see the same people on the way down that you see going up. And there have been a lot of wrestlers that have gone the same way she did, you know, with um, drugs, alcohol, having problems. And they've had hands reached out to them, Jake the Snake, Sonny, to name a couple. People have reached out to them to pick them up and help them. So, you know, even WWE even paid for Sunny's rehab after she was done. She wasn't even there. She, they've done that quite a few times for people. Yeah. So, to say that nobody was there and that she's a victim is not, I don't think, quite accurate. I think she's a victim of the choices that she made and the way she treated people. And that's why she ended up the way that she did. There's only so many times you can be like that to others to where they're just like. So what was your experience with her though? Obviously negative, right? It was nothing of really, she was just not really. She was very, very, very talented and not all there. And granted, a lot of people in the entertainment business, we all come from something. You know, most of us have had some kind of weird upbringing or something that makes us the way we are. But I guess maybe something was extra devastating for her. I don't know. But um, I don't know. I, I think that she started off on the wrong foot immediately by trying to say that Walter didn't get her to where she is because that's not true. If Walter says that he made a call to get her into the WWF, he did. Yeah. It's really that simple. He's not a liar. He's, he talks a lot. He, he, he would repeat his stories a lot, but lying wasn't his thing. And he was a talent scout for WWF. And additionally, he would char he charged a flat rate for his school. You were a lifetime student. You paid $17.50 up front and not anything else for the rest of your life. You could come back at any time and get wow. in that ring. No dues, no fees, nothing. So whenever you want to come in and work on stuff with anybody, you could do that four years later, five years later, two months later. You could go all four classes every week for as long as you want on that same thing. So I wasn't trying to make money. So for her to say that she did it on her own, 
and that he didn't help her. And then the documentary claims that her mentor tried to take credit for her job. And he's not a mentor. He's a trainer without whom she wouldn't have been who she is. She wouldn't have had a job. That's kind of fucked up. Right. And that shows right off the bat what kind of character was there, unfortunately. That's pretty and cheap, And yes, she's not way. around to defend herself, but neither is Walter. Hmm. Pretty cheap, by the way, for the uh, training. Only 1750 Yeah, at the time, that's what it was. Yeah, for, I think, yeah. I've heard yeah. of guys that didn't main event MSG multiple times against Bruno. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that charged way more, which is nuts. He, mm -hmm. was, he, he could have charged a lot more. Jeez, huge name. So it was unheard of. Ooh. Unheard of to do it that way. Nobody has done it that way, I don't think. He felt that we were lifetime students and that even if we were going off working shows, doing tours, we should always be able to come back and train that you're a lifetime student in the wrestling business or in the wrestling industry. Wow. So guys get mentioned on Seinfeld, you know, they're teasing like, I'm like Kelly Kowalski. Like, yeah, he's a huge name in the business. He definitely could charge more if he wanted to. I mean, obviously he didn't want to, but he could have, if he wanted to, he could have, but he wanted people. He did it because he loved the business and he loved what he loved seeing people succeed. He wasn't there to rape people or make money or dick them over. Or, you know what I mean? He was there because he, he liked it. He, he liked it. So, that's what I mean. That's why I thought it was really unfair to, I don't know. So there. <laughs> it was interesting. And I never knew what happened. I don't know if you would know either, but like she was the woman's champion. And then in 2001, then she's just gone. Like just gone from WB after that. Never, you know, obviously never to return kind of just weird, weird circumstance all the way around. I'm sure triple H, Stephanie, I'm sure something, they were kind of intimating that they definitely played a role in that, but, who knows, right? If you're saying she had a poor attitude, maybe, maybe it was something else. I don't know. Honestly, I just, I know that in this business and in bands and in entertainment, if you break up with somebody, you get along with them because you have to, there's money involved. So there are lots of people who have dated people within the business who get along because you have to, you know, we can name a million broken up couples that have gone on to be fine in the same locker room. Freaking Fleetwood Mac. You know what I'm saying? Macho you Man just, and Elizabeth. You just do. Yeah, you just do. It's called being professional. So if you're not able to do that again, that's your choice and the way that you're handling things. So Dif different perspective here. I know I didn't, uh, you know, I never really no. hear any the opposite side from China, but that is interesting that, you know, you kind of had some bad experiences with it's her. It's because no one dares speak out against her. But um, after seeing it for years and years and years, and then now seeing the documentary and seeing what was or was not actually what was not said about Walter Kowalski, I get irritated or got irritated to the point where I actually called Aaron last night because Aaron, like I said, is a Kowalski student. And I went off and I was like, this is bullshit, man. Like no one... No one's talking about it. No one steps... And I said, you know what? I'm in a unique position where I know both ends here. I'm going to, I'm going to say something and I'll probably get a lot of hate for it, but you know what? I'm okay with that. And I'm not taken away from what she did or who she was in the ring and her talent. She was incredibly talented and incredibly beautiful. And she could have done a whole lot more if she wanted to. 
So she could have been Jillian Michaels when she left. Hmm. Interesting, though, uh, to get a different take, though. I, I like that. Appreciate the honesty there, because some people when people pass away, some people just make it up like, yeah, they were great. They're like, oh, you know, but they killed somebody. Not, not to saying she did something horrible. But it's like, oh, but they killed somebody. No, they were great. You know what I mean? Sometimes some people will not speak ill yeah. of the dead. Yes. Even if they were bad. But uh, when you, you leave Kowalski School, where do you land? Where, like, what's next? Where do you go from there? Uh, where I went, um, well, actually, what <laughs> what happened what happened was uh, when I was there, um, there was mass chaos at that particular time because that was when WWF had acquired ECW and WCW. Yep. So I was just getting ready to go uh, and see where I fit in at WWE or F when all of that happened. And I got kind of shuffled to the sidelines because they were trying to figure out whose contracts they were keeping, who they were getting rid of, what was going on. So anybody who was not already under all of that was just like, we'll deal with you later. Like people got sent to Puerto Rico and left forever at that point. I think you probably remember those days, right? Oh, yeah. So for me, I started working Japan a lot, (laughs) like a lot. So I was back and forth. I was Japan, Canada, England. So I was in England a lot. I was in Japan a lot. So I spent that year pretty much abroad. I actually spent the next several years going back and forth. I had another couple of tryouts. I did a Heartland tryout. Um, they had asked if I would go to OVW for with a developmental contract at one point, which at the time I declined. Um, then I had another, another tryout with them later in Connecticut. But um, yeah, I was like, got kind of lost in that shuffle and ended up working overseas, which worked out really great because I got to see the world on someone else's dime, which is kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. What did you think about Japan? Was it a stiff, uh, strong style? And did Walter no. kind of get you ready for it? Yes. <laughs> the the Where you go to school opens doors for you, for sure. So the fact that I went to Kowalski's, they, at that point, were not bringing over Western women. I think they only had one there. It was very, very rare for them to do that. Um, So the fact that I was going back and forth and staying there, it was a big deal. Um, I also ended up making a film over there and doing a commercial for Toyota and doing some other stuff while I was there too. I I kind of got in Japan what I did not get here. So I joke around and say, you know, I'm huge in Japan, you know? Big in Japan. I can't fit underneath the shower head because I'm too tall, but you know? (laughs) Big in Japan yeah. is an awesome song says. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, I liked Japan a lot. I don't know if I would want to live there full time, but I really did enjoy the country and the people and the culture. I've always, always kind of been obsessed with Japan. Like I grew up in that era where um, it was Kung Fu theater and Karate Kid, the original one, and Japanese culture was like the thing, the rising sun and um you know, first chance I got an opportunity to run off to there. I was like, sayonara. So, yeah. So I enjoyed it. What about over here? Were you wrestling doing the indies? Is that when you kind of started doing JAPW and yep. you know, 3PW and yep. everything? Yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to weave Jersey All Pro and 3PW into, in between my Japan and like Germany and France and England schedule. It was complicated. Um, because they had given me titles and I was just like, 
I love them for it. Absolutely love them for it. Jersey All Pro. Uh, I feel like they're like kind of my home fed, even though Kowalski's Kowalski really his shows were our first shows. I feel like Jersey All Pro. They're the they're the ones that actually gave me the wings and said go fly because they let me do stuff that nobody did before, especially not the girls. You know, they put the male tag team titles on 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 me. First and, ever. Yeah, they they were one of the first ones doing all women shows. JAPWW. No one was doing that. No one was doing that. Um, they were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. They brought in all the tough enough kids and, you know, they spent the money to bring in the talent. Like they don't necessarily get the credit they deserve. And they were doing it long before like Ring of Honor and all these other places were doing it. Like They broke the doors open and I was fortunate to be there at that time and kind of ride in with them with that. Um, and I will always be grateful to them for that. You know, that was a really good time for me to work and I enjoyed it. But I was also, you know, they put titles on me and I'm trying to balance that out and go, you know, to Puerto Rico or Mexico or Japan. It's like, fuck, I'm missing the shows. I'm trying to figure it out. So I remember going to them. I'm like, thank you so much for the titles. Can you please take them off? <laughs> They're like, what? I'm like, I don't know how I can do this. Like, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be there. I feel like I'm disappointing you. I, I don't know. I don't know how I can't balance it. I don't know how to do this. Right. I work here. I just feel like I, how about I chase the titles? Why don't you let me chase the titles? So, <laughs> yeah. So I remember my tag partner being really upset with me. He was like, how could you do that? Why would you go behind my back and do that? I'm like, I didn't really, they're just, they gave them to us. We didn't win them. I'm like, <laughs> like differences a maker. So we're still a tag team. We're still working, you know? So yeah. Like Wagner Brown. Yeah. Uh, tag champ 3PW and JPW with him. First ever woman to be a male tag team champion anywhere. I mean, pretty cool. Pretty good. Honor. It was. Yeah. And then we uh, we went through this pretty uh, brutal tournament, like an hour long tournament in uh, 3PW, which they were good to uh, They were good to me, too. And uh, we won them there, too. So, yeah, it was Jasmine St. Clair. It was Todd Gordon, Blue Meanie. Like they, they ran that one and they were very, very good to me. So. Yeah, what people. did you think like when you're going to be, you know, with the male wrestling, male wrestlers? Because that was, you know, nowadays it, there's so much intergender wrestling. Back then, not so much, hardly ever really did they do stuff mm -hmm. like that. What did you think? Like, wow, this is something different, but I'm ready for it. Well, you got to remember, I trained with all guys. Oh, so true. I yeah. actually felt more comfortable and safer working with the guys because that's how I trained. Like, it was always me versus a guy. So, when I get it, I felt, always felt like at that point, now the women have come very far since then, but at that point, the men were better trained. Their bumps were crisper. They took it more seriously. They seemed to be more careful. Um, not always, but mostly as a whole. Whereas the women uh, at that particular time, if they were any good, they were getting signed up pretty quickly. So the girls that were left on the Indies were kind of shite, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, like I was being thrown in the ring, um, with some dude's girlfriend who had been training for two months because they didn't want to pay for two women. So I'm in there with, you know, Muffy over here, you know, it's this dude's girl who started training, you know, last Tuesday and we're supposed to have a match. And you, yeah. well, you know, I'm, I was not bad at that time, but I was not 
good enough to lead somebody that green. And let me tell you, when girls panic and they're new in the ring and they're thrown into the spotlight like that and they don't know what they're doing, they flail. They flail and they punch you in the face and they break your nose or they drop. I had a girl drop and knee. She lost where she was in the match. She's holding my arm. I'm on the mat. She dropped a knee on the back of my elbow and broke my shit because she lost where she was. I was just like, take it home, take it home, take it home, take it home, take it home right now. Take it home. Just pin me. I'm not getting up. Like this is what happens when you work with girls that aren't trained. They, you know what I mean? And the, the promoters don't care. They don't care. They just know the shape of money, not having to, you know, do you think at any point ever that somebody flew in cheerleader Melissa from the West coast to work me? That match never happened, even though the fans asked for it a million times. Never happened. Never happened. Did they fly in AJ Styles to, or Christopher Daniels from the West Coast to work AJ Styles? It was a program. <laughs> right. True. I guess you never got to I wrestle to work, ever? I got to work Muffy. Huh? You never got to work cheerleader, Melissa? Never. Oh, you get screwed. She's a good one. Or was a good I one. I know she is. I know yeah. she is. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. I rare, you know, I got to work some good ones because they were location friendly, you know, like, uh, uh, Martinez, um, Mercedes Martinez. Thank you. I know her real name. I'm like jazz. Yeah. Um, Mercedes, <laughs> you know, um, Lacey, lovely Lacey, you know, like these girls, these girls are very, very good, but they were also convenient. So if they weren't convenient, I wouldn't have had gotten to work with them. So, you know, the Canadians, Canadians are always good, especially the Toronto girls. So the Ron Hodginson girls. Yes. Know. Yep. Angelina. Those girls Tracy are great. Brooke. No, I, yep. Yeah. Um, Dania. Um, I worked Gail Kim. All those girls were good. So. As far as kind of what you were doing after that what do you do is, is that when wew starts and the carmen electra league and all is that what kind of happens after or as you're going through the indies um so that one more time i'm sorry like where did you go after that wew like the didn't carmen electra have her own promotion for a little bit oh like, yeah the, the carmen electra thing um <laughs> that was that was actually a one-time thing that was a one-time match um that paid better than anything I'd ever done before. Cause I, I just kept saying no to it, no to it. No, because it was just, I'm like, I've worked really hard to be taken seriously. I'm not going to do a naked wrestling match. Right. And then they just kept going. Da, 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 and they, I think they went up to damn near $15,000 for one match. And I was like, you know, hard to turn down. I could pay off my credit card with that. Yeah, I'll get naked. <laughs> and it's a free trip to Ontario. Oh, wait. And you're going to put us in Maxim Magazine, too? Yeah, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. So, but yeah, I um, I ended up caving because of that. And it was just, some, I ended up being really glad that I did because I met a lot of really cool people. I worked with Ron Hutchinson. I had a good time. Um you know, the match was shit um, because the night before we did a run through and my nose got severely broken on just a run through to the point where I had to go to the hospital. So I know about Canadian healthcare. Um, and it was actually, <laughs> I actually had a better time with the Canadian healthcare than the healthcare in Boston when John Walters broke my nose. Um, but I couldn't do much for the match. So we ended up kind of having a ha ha 
whatever match right um that day but it still paid me carmen electra was she trying to like dip her toe into wrestling for some reason or is that just like the no. okay because there was a yeah, rumor they... that that wcw was interested in her it's like uh i guess it was 99 2000 era that she was thinking about joining but i was like i don't know she doesn't seem like she'd be too into wrestling you know i don't know she's really tiny like she's this big um no i think they were just using her name she was lending her name to the product and you know using her presence to get it known which it worked you know and you did work for tna right weren't you a part of miss mm -hmm. tna for a little bit you've wrestled bruce mm -hmm. any thought of i was, like, I was actually the first that was the first female wrestler they ever had <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. You were part of the first show, right? That they did when they had, I guess it was like the the battle royal. Uh, no, the old woman. Uh, were you? Oh, you weren't in the battle royal. Or... No, no, they were gone for a little while. They just didn't want to have any female wrestlers on the show at all, and um, they did and the whole Bruce, Bruce character. And I, yep. I knew Jeff Jarrett from NWO, and he brought me in to test out the female wrestler thing and see how it would go over with the crowd. So, no contract. Yeah, I worked. Though? No, I worked for them a couple of times. The last time I worked for them was a um, New Year's Eve special. They did offer me a contract with that, but the money was horrific. Like I could make more sitting at home. It, like it was bad. And uh, they also wanted me to get cleared by my doctor. And I would have to do all that on my own to wrestle and um, sign a waiver saying that if anything happened, they would not be financially responsible for it in the ring medical like that stinks all the way around yeah so a couple hundred bucks a show um they're like 250 300 bucks a show um then they also own your name and if you get hurt it's on you you pay for it oh man that's for a minute i thought about it for a minute i thought about it in the moment my then husband uh goes are you nuts are you nuts the medical bills in this country you do something he goes and you're twenty thousand dollars right there because why would you even think about that? And he goes, you know how they push you to do more in the ring? Because they do. They push you to do more in the ring than you're comfortable with. I'm like, mm. so I turn it down. When you first were there, was there a long-term plan with the Bruce thing? Or that was just like, a, let's put dip our toe in the water, see if we could do this. And eh, like, you know, we're going to yeah. move on. Yeah, I don't know what their plan was with it. For, for me, it was just come in and see how it went. So, yeah, yeah they were doing the $10 weekly pay-per-views at that point in Tennessee. Yep, down in Nashville at the uh, the asylum. Mm -hmm. It was kind of weird, though. Bruce was like, I guess, I, I know Alan Funk, but it was more of a a, a gimmicky kind of jokey thing. He's wrestling women. He's Miss TNA. It, mm -hmm. it, it, it's like a rib kind of. I mean, it was a different kind of thing than just women's wrestling. I don't know. It was mm -hmm. kind of too, too jokey, I guess, for, for my liking. It was a yeah, it was a gimmick, right? Yeah. So. So with you and and wrestling, what do you think about today's wrestling and today's women's wrestling? Because you know they always say women's revolution. This is you know the the best age for women's wrestling. What do you think about it? Because you're one of the the women that kind of laid the groundwork and maybe not getting the credit you know you deserve for what they have today. Thank you. I think the only reason it changed now is because a lot of the guys running it have their daughters in it or their nieces. So I think it would still be what it was if they didn't directly have their kin um, in there. Now that they have a vested interest in it becoming something more legit, 
it's now more legit. So I can't see Ric Flair letting his daughter do pillow fights and having his head dunked in, having her head dunked in dung and doing the stuff that we were subjected to. So True. And Triple H, who is a big proponent of women wrestling, all daughters, three daughters. He, he doesn't have any uh, you know, ma uh, male kids or any boys. Mm -hmm. So that definitely plays a factor because he's bringing in these musical, like Poppy and all these random musical uh, guests that his daughters like. So it's just like he's definitely influenced mm -hmm. by his kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, my dad used to say that <laughs> – he said he used to say that men have to be careful because the more of a player, the more of an asshole they are, the more chances, the more daughters they're going to have, and the more beautiful they're going to be. So. <laughs> uh oh, oh damn! Yeah. If you get all daughters and they're all super hot, that is your karma. Damn. Yeah. Uh -oh. <laughs> Triple H better watch out uh, when his kids grow up. I'm not yeah. saying that about him. I, I don't. No, I, I, I actually, the few times I've met. Hunter, he's always been really great to me. So, so, but you know, there are some guys out there that deserve to have really beautiful daughters. Let's just say, so. yeah. but that <laughs> but is yeah, true I do, though, I do, but the daughter like, taking an influence yeah. on the, on the wrestlers, no doubt about it. Yeah. If you, if you look at the roster of females and if you, if you, even if you, even if the ones you don't think are related, there's a lot of relations in there. They might be cousins or nephews or sorry, not nephews, nieces or something like that. But about probably 40 to 50 percent of them have some kind of relation in there, I think, is it's pretty high. So I think that's why that that's what changed women's wrestling. So nobody wanted to see them doing the TNA crap anymore. We, ne we never wanted to do it either. We trained like the guys. We trained with the guys. We didn't want to do that crap. Nobody wanted to do that. That's what we were relegated to. And that's what, you know, put food on the table. We wanted to do what they were doing now. And when we got an opportunity to do it, like in Japan, where porn is on every corner and they can buy schoolgirl panties everywhere. And if they're praying for a wrestling ticket, they want to see actual wrestling. That's why we went to Japan to actually wrestle. They take it very seriously over there. It's a sport. Mm -hmm. It's covered in the papers and everything. I mean, it's a sport over there. Mexico, too. Yeah. That's why I worked out of the States a lot. You know, it's, it's different out, outside of here. We're such a puritanical nation that our acceptable porn is it's thinly veiled as Hooters girls and, you know, um, swimsuit issues of Sports Illustrated, you know, and wrestling, female wrestling. So it's like if you allow people to have their freaky ass porn, then this stuff over here can be real. <laughs> so <laughs> we can stop fetishizing, you know, wrestling and let women do their thing. Yes. With, you know, the women's wrestling where it is today. Do you follow, though? Do you watch it? Do you mm -mm. pay attention to it or no? No. I don't Not actually, I've caught, I've caught it, you know, here and there, I've caught a match or I've watched somebody, you know, or I've uh, watched somebody cause somebody recommended I watch them and recommended them to somebody else. Like occasionally I used to do some talent scouting for various places or shine or whatever different, mm -hmm. you know, they would ask me, you know, watch this person. What do you think of them? Uh, or what do you know about them? Or are they a problem in the locker room or things like that? Um, other than that, I don't really do it because there's only so much time in the day and I work a lot. You know, I 
I'm a, I just, just got my degree two years ago. I'm writing, I'm writing a screenplay. I have a children's book coming out. I have several sites that I still run because they're still making money. I have a Kindle and soap business on Etsy. I've got a lot going on. So watching two hours of wrestling is, you know, is two hours. That's two hours of my life. I can't get back. That could be spent doing something else. Right. Not happening. So. Waste. And I don't mean that with disrespect. I just mean that that's personally like I don't have that time. So wish I did. Right. Hey, you're making money. You're keeping very, very busy. <laughs> Trying to. So you've done movies, acting, TV. Was that all like a part of your plan? Like, did you always want to kind of get into like that field? Like, did you always want to be kind of like an actress and do the cosplay mm -hmm. stuff? Did, did you always want to do cosplay, that? Yeah. <laughs> I have, I've been doing, we call it costuming. I've been doing costuming for a very long time. Um, I used to be a burlesque dancer and I did all my burlesque in theme costumes when Tomb Raider first came out, I was Laura Croft a lot. I mean, these, uh, they didn't they didn't have, and my God, they could have picked a better name than cosplay. It's so awful. But they didn't have a name for it back then. But I used to work in, I would do a lot of the conventions in Vegas because I lived out there. So I was like a convention girl. And I would show up and work the booze and do it in costumes. So I would be, you know, Laura Croft or I would be um, Jessica Rabbit or whatever. And that was just, you know, it was just something I always did because I liked it. Um, uh, it's it's funny to me to see that there are kids out there now that want to grow up and be a cosplayer. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is that a career thing now? I guess a career thing now. So I guess it is a career thing now. I made a career out of it. So, hey, but yeah. Yeah. It seems like it is because I've seen uh, XWB girls like that literally don't wrestle or whatever they do cosplay i was like that's an yeah. interesting thing like that's like their not their main job but like seems like that's their focus they want to do yeah. cosplay and modeling and and that yeah. stuff yeah right if you can do it people you know honestly if you can make a living off your looks if people will pay you to look good and you will make a living off your looks there are so few people that can actually do it do it because you can't do it forever treat it like a football career do it be careful with your money buy real estate because people aren't going to stop having babies, obviously. Don't believe what Reuters say about the birth rate being low. Everybody has a baby now. Get some real estate because we're not making any more land, but we are making more babies. And just be careful with that money and milk it for all it's worth. <laughs> but no, I didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't want to be. I wasn't big into being an actress or stuff like that. Kind of stuff just kind of let fell in my lap, and I was like, ha ha ha, I'll give it a try. So, yeah. That wasn't that wasn't my goal. So as we hit the wind down, head towards the finish here, you've done so much in your career. I mean, obviously, we were talking about a lot of the wrestling stuff. Do you have favorite matches and opponents? I know we talked a little bit about that, but I always like to ask. It's like a generic question, but I'm just always curious. Like, favorites stick out? Is there people you liked working? Is, is there some favorite like opponents? Just anything as far as wrestling being, um, you know, top of your list as favorites. Cool. Um, I worked, uh, so some of these, a lot of them are overseas. Like I worked a girl named Vesna Busek, um, over in Germany, which she might be known to some of your, uh, watchers. Um, lovely Lacey. I always liked working with her. Um, I liked working, um, oh God, what was her name in Ring of Honor? Oh, it was Omen Tortuga and, um. 
tag team. Nikki Rocks and I worked them, and I worked them also in a tag team with uh, Wagner. Ah, ah. I was it was a DRS? No, dirty. No, it wasn't Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. It was a oh, well, Omen Tartuga and his partner. I liked working them. They were super easy to work. Super fun guys. Um, just whenever I saw us against each other on the thing, I was like, oh, it's gonna be a good night. So we'd have fun. Like we'd wrestle and then we'd also have chicken fights in the ring. So <laughs> it would be fun. Um, I liked um, working a girl named Leona in Japan. We had some good matches. Um, trying to think that those are the ones that stand out to me. Um, you know, usually stuff that I like is not what other people like. So you know, I had fun working with Talia too, uh, Velvet Sky. We did a tag team called TNA for, well, it was like pre-Beautiful People. And we were doing we were doing that gimmick and it was kind of a, taking the, it was actually, we, <laughs> we were taking the piss on the Diva Search Girls kind of thing going on. Yeah. So our, our, our whole gimmick was to take all of that, but actually kind of twist it up and have real wrestling with it. So we had fun with that. As far as you and kind of where you want to be, where do you see yourself in a few years? I know you're so busy. Do you see yourself uh, dominating the uh, podcasting world or kind of where do you see yourself? Where do you want to be in a few years? Um, that is a good question. I always consider myself a humanitarian and a communicator. So I think whatever I end up doing, it will be hopefully uh, uh, keeping to truths and giving back to people um, or helping in some way and communicating. So whether that's writing or on a podcast or however, I, I don't know. But I feel like in some way, shape or form, I'll still be in entertainment. It might be on the other end of the camera uh, or writing for it. I don't know, but that's what my degree is for. But I'm not sure. When is the so, book out? Uh, the book, we just got done the illustrations. So, um, so I was looking to see if I have anything around here to show you. We just got done the illustrations. We just have a few more tweaks to do, and hopefully it will be done and ready for the Christmas buying season. Oh, nice, nice. What is the genre of the book, if you're allowed to say? This one is a children's book. So, Oh, strictly I've, children, okay. Yeah, I've written a few. Um, this one's a children's book. So it's called The Tale of No Tale, Monty. So it's a it's a story based on the ugly duckling. It's about a corgi who tries to find his way. So apparently without a tail and with those short little legs, he is considered ugly until he finds his way in the world. So. <laughs> All right. That's pretty good, though. I like that. It should be uh, pretty popular, especially around <laughs> Christmas time. People are always looking for uh, gifts for the kids. Yeah, for sure. Now, as far as some plugs and everything out there, you know, the A show, your Patreon, your social media, give everybody all your plugs. Oh, boy. Um, okay. So here we go. Uh, if you're into organic soy candles and artisan soap, you can find me at April Sensations on Etsy. You can also support the hell out of me on Patreon, April Hunter. Or on OnlyFans, April Hunter. And no, don't get excited because it's not porn. But it is <laughs> over 18. They both are. Um, let's see. You can support our show, which is a lot more of what you're seeing here. So it's a lot of, you know, 
call it Real Talk, um, with Aaron Stevens and I, and that is The A-Show, and that's Patreon, The A-Show, or Twitch.tv, The A-Show. And then you can kind of find me out there, out and about. It's usually April Hunter or Real April Hunter, like Instagram is Real April Hunter. So follow me, stay in touch with me, and and uh, I'm super grateful when people do. I've had a few fans like get in touch with me and they're like, yeah, I remember back when you were doing burlesque or we used to talk all the time on MySpace, and I'm like, wow. and you're still around? Holy shit. So oh, I'm MySpace. like super oh, impressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for my fans and I'm really grateful for the ones that stuck around through all the career changes. Cause it was like, you know, I was, it was like, it started out like I was doing adult modeling first, not porn, but you know, nude modeling and like playboy and stuff like that and then it was fitness like metrics and all of muscle mag and then it was wcw and then it was uh you know i've just gone through all these different changes and some people and writing and reading my stuff and some people are just along for the whole ride like they're doing the whole thing i'm just like oh my god you're awesome so grateful grateful. yeah that's awesome yeah 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 Oh. But April, like to thank you so much uh, for all the time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on for yeah. so long. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it back. So, thank you again. I really appreciate it. And uh, you have yourself a great night. Thanks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.